Welcome back to the Chicago Tomahawk. I'm Mike. I got my line mate Matt with me. And today we're going to go over some Blackhawks news and some NHL news because the Blackhawks have not played since Monday. <laughs> Man, it's kind of kind of crazy that uh, they do have some they do have some makeup games coming up. The makeup list has been released. I believe there's about I think nine or eleven games on there. Um, I just saw it a little bit ago, so. I wasn't going to, you know, put all the dates out there because I highly doubt that anybody who's listening is going to have a, a notepad ready, getting ready to write down these Blackhawks games. But they've got the makeup dates set that they're going to be doing. There's going to be a lot of hockey coming up. There hasn't been really much hockey for the Blackhawks this past week. They play tomorrow. And uh, we'll get on with the news. So Seth Jones, Dylan Strom, and head athletic trainer Mike Gapsky. And, and head equipment manager Troy Parchman have been removed from the COVID-19 protocol. So it's going to be nice to get Seth Jones back. Uh, Dylan Strom, I think, has been playing pretty well recently. He's been, uh, I think he's been more of a factor. He's actually been pretty good at the faceoff dot. And, you know, we, we, can, uh, we can use him back because we could use a center. Word is that Dylan Strom has some interest from other teams, but... The Blackhawks are thinking about keeping him, believe it or not, even though they've been trying to trade him and get him at a lower cap hit next season. But in order to do that, he has to um, he has to hit, I believe, unrestricted free agent status for them to do that, because if they don't, they have to tender him a, a qualifying offer and his qualifying offer number would be four point four million. And there's no way. Uh, anybody would would pay for Dylan Strom at four point four million. So good to have Gapsky back. Um, I met him at a, at, a, at a wedding one time. He's he's awesome. So um, yeah, it looks like we've got we're getting you know everybody back from COVID nineteen protocol. It's almost as if everybody's getting COVID <laughs> just to uh, kind of get it out of the way in a way. So we'll see how that goes. Hey Matt, do you think that Seth Jones could have made a difference? maybe the past couple games yeah absolutely i think he um just the minutes that he plays i think he's what is he averaged about 24 minutes a game i think that would have helped in overtime against the kraken the way he plays he's smooth and he can carry the puck up he's good with the possession play uh actually i, I believe kirby doc is the only current active roster guy still on COVID protocol, right? Right. I and believe that they were mentioning that he might come off tomorrow. I hope so. Uh, I, I want to see him finally just take off, like just prove everybody wrong because I don't know where you're at with this, but I I think he might need some seasoning down in the A just to get some confidence. But uh, hopefully he comes back strong, well-rested and you know, just gets on a little point streak. Yeah, I think that it's, uh, you know, I, I don't know how how he fared with COVID. You know, I would hope that, you know, he really didn't have to deal with any symptoms. But I think that it's, I think it's a tall order to come back from COVID and play better than you did before you had it. Um, I honestly, I, I agree with you 100%. I'd like to see him go down there to the AHL and spend maybe about five or seven games down there to... Uh, to be, to kind of just reset and then maybe bring him back up and see how it does. You know, we sent Kurashev down there and he's been a, a better player ever since he came back. And uh, maybe that's what, what Kirby needs. Yeah, I'm totally on board with that. Jacob Galvis, Mike Hardman, Kale Morris, and Josiah Slavin have been reassigned to the AHL's uh, Icehawks, but 
Kale, Kale Morris is actually back on the active roster now. They moved him to the um, they moved him to the taxi squad, and then they recently moved him back to the active roster. So I'm not sure what's going on there. Uh, sources say that um, at the daily faceoff that the NHL will no longer test asymptomatic players and staff following the All Star break, provided COVID-19 rates continue to decline around the league. Testing will only then be cross-border travel as required and if symptoms arise. Now, I'm sure that there's a lot of people that are pretty frustrated with, you know, the whole COVID-19 thing because the narrative keeps on getting changed. You know, um, I believe in, in, in Britain, as of January 26th, they're going to stop doing mask mandates. And uh, and that's pretty that's pretty incredible considering you know how rampant COVID's been been going around. So it's like one of those things where you know um, what you know it's almost as if a month ago you know they're almost talking about having another shutdown, and like and like now you know all of the all of the how do you say the mandates are being withdrawn and it's just kind of somewhat turning into a a free-for-all so it makes me wonder is it because of the federal government in canada and in the united states that's you know that's causing this or is this more of a leak thing so um so yeah we'll have to see where it goes i mean i'm sure that they're trying to to toe the line with with the league you know at the same time but you know, it's just, it's almost like it's a complete 180 and it's right before the All-Star game, you know, because we, we were talking about maybe they should cancel the All-Star, All-Star game because it just seems like a COVID breeding ground. But, you know, it it, it just seems that it's, uh, you know, maybe it's it's not money. as big of a deal anymore. Yeah, and money, money, money talks, man. It's a big, it's a big moneymaker for the NHL. Money talks. Yeah. So. Uh, yep. Look at Canada, man. They, they're on their what 28th shutdown and i know a lot of the canadians on twitter that we engage with are just fed up with it and they're ready to move on so i think this is good don't test healthy people yeah yeah so uh we'll see how this you know how this develops and um and keep it going so kendall coin has released her autobiography fast as her on wednesday i'm gonna pick that up i'm gonna give it a I'm going to give it a read. As a matter of fact, I'm considering buying the book and giving it a review on the on the Tomahawk as a podcast. So, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, I I think that she's a great player. She's an an electric player. Just in seeing her skate is is a, is a sight to be seen, considering how small she is. She lives a block away from my parents. Her her parents do. She grew right. up in the same subdivision subdivision I did, and believe it or not, she used to skate around the subdivision every day uh inline skate and and oh, uh i'm sure she did she dude she was unreal she was really good and i i just remember you know driving to my practice and i see this girl skating she was tiny at the time and <laughs> she just still like, is wow she's she's gonna be good and uh sure enough look at her career she's been a, an amazing olympian and now she's uh with the blackhawks uh good for her yeah, yeah, uh, I think that she's a class act, and, uh, and I'll keep everybody updated on that book. So Ben Pope mentioned that Ben Pope, he's a beat writer. What is it for the Sun Times? I believe it's the Sun Times. I just saw his article, 
uh, not his article, his comment on Twitter, and he mentioned that it's not exactly mathematical likely that the Blackhawks make the postseason. And he said this to Marc-Andre Fleury. And then Fleury responded, thanks for the vote of confidence. Now, look, I think that, you know, us as a podcast, you know, we can get away with with saying things about players, saying things about the team, uh, some honest things that I don't think that you can really say if you're kind of, um, you know, if you're if you're a beat writer. Yeah. And, you know, and it's to be honest with you, it really is insulting because, you know, as a player, you need to buy into the idea that we're going to go out there, we're going to compete every single day and we're going to give, give our all. And if you feel that, you know, that maybe, uh, I don't know, if we're not going to make the playoffs, am I really going to give, you know, 110%, you know, type of a thing, you know, you don't want to have that kind of mentality. And you've got Ben Pope over here coming up mentioning that, Hey, you know, mathematically, you're not going to make it, you know? So what? Should and we just quit? You know, like, what, you know what he should have said? He should have said, well, mathematically, the, the, st- mathematically, the chances of me making the NHL were practically non-existent. And look at me now. I'm a three-time Stanley Cup champion, you know? Yep. Because yeah. typically, it's pretty hard to make the NHL, man. You're like the top 1% of the 1% of the 1% that make it, you know? so. And he's 37 still playing, and he right. could get another deal the way he's playing. He's playing like a 25-year-old, in my yeah. opinion, after that Seattle game. It's like a goalie in his prime. This guy's supposed to be on the back nine, and he does not look like it at all. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't really appreciate that comment, you know. And uh, you know, it's just another thing with the media. I think somewhat being tone deaf. Yeah, and uh, agreed. And uh, Ben, you got to do better, man. Yep, sit up in the press box, eat your hot dogs, and just <laughs> criticize athletes. <laughs> Slam on those hot dogs yeah. Yeah. and drink you your uh, drink your Michelob Ultra. So, uh, Debrinket, Kane, and Taves. Now, these three players obviously are are, are the big dogs, right? You know, Debrinket is our is our star goal scorer, Kaner. Is 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 a legend for the team, and so is Taves. Won three cups between the two, between Kane and Taser. Debrinkin hasn't won one yet. When the calendar year flips to 2022, 2023, this summer, all three will be eligible for contract extensions. Now, Debrinkin's making six point, I think six or six point two right now. Taser and uh, and Kaner, they're each making ten point five. They both have one. They each have one year left on their deal. Okay, so I think it's pretty much a guarantee that Debrinket is going to get an extension at a minimum of between eight to ten million. Kane is still playing at a high level, and Taser's lost some form. But you know, we'll let you know he's had an illness. And he's had to deal with that and come back from it. And trying to get back to an elite status, playing at an, an elite level, is, is pretty difficult. But as of recently, he seems to be gaining some form, and he's looking much, much better. Uh, you know, just uh, the past few games. And I don't think that he's going to be the thirty-goal scorer that he was at one time. But I think that he still has value. I think that a deal at around the five million range would be fair. Five to six million, considering what he's done for this franchise, because this franchise was dead. And when him and Kaner came up, they completely revitalized it. You know, God knows how much money Rocky Wartz has made off of these players. So I think a five to six million dollar deal for for Taser, I think is fair. 
when we get to the seven million range, it's like okay, we we see what's going on here. Got it. But I don't think he's worth any more than that. Kane, on the other hand, I th- honestly, if I think that he's going to be one of those players that plays at an elite level until he retires, similar to. Um, to Nicholas Lidstrom. When Nicholas Lidstrom retired, he was still one of the top defensemen in the league. And it wasn't even close. Like, he was still in an, a phenomenal defenseman. But, you know, he retired. It was time. And I think Kaner's going to be going to go the same way. Deal for Kane, if he takes a team-friendly deal, I think that we're looking at a $7.5 to $8 million, $8 million cap hit for him. Where are you at with... Kane and Taves coming back, and what would you pay for them to come back on a, on on a new deal? Well, Kane and Taves have both signed identical deals for two contracts. Right. I think the third one will be the same. Quite okay. honestly, I I think I liked what you said about the five million dollar, six million dollar range. I could see that, but I think Kane being at a higher level could get Taves more money. Yeah, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think yeah, maybe a, a two-year deal. I don't think they should do any more than three. Yeah, I would do like a two million, or I'm um, sorry, two years, seven million for both. And, and if it's lower, that's even better for the team. And to Brinkhead, I would lock up the maximum term you can do. I think I believe it's eight if you're drafted by that team, which right. he was. I think I would give him nine to ten million. Yeah, being not being the highest paid player on the team second to Jones. Right. Right. I think that he's worth it. Um, you know, you made a really good point about the Kaner and Taves deals. Um, yeah, I, I think that that's entirely possible. I was thinking about it from like an individual standpoint of, you know, what's, yeah. what's Kaner worth, what's uh, Taves worth. Um, and especially since they've made their money, I think that, you know, that they would, they would consider team friendly deals. Uh, there's a possibility that maybe Taves retires before uh, Kaner does. So, you know, that's also, you know, something that could be taken into consideration. But, yeah, I think, you know, they them both getting a, a two- to three-year deal at $7 million. I, I mean, I'm, I'm completely fine with that. I'm good with it. Yeah, that's not a bit, big hit at all, the way the cap's going to go up. That's not—it's not, like, crippling like the 10 is. Not at all. As yeah. a matter of fact, if they were to take deals like that, that frees up $6 million. We'll probably be getting $9 million from the a raise in the cap hit and uh, freeing up some money for, from some other contracts. You know, they can put a, a pretty good team around those guys for, uh, you know, I guess you could say for the for last the hurrah. Yeah, the next wave of young guys and yeah. their, their last years, yeah. Yeah, yeah, being the old goats on the team. So does, uh, do you think, you know, the trade lines can be coming up in about two months. Does Calvin Dehan get moved? He's playing like a man who needs a contract. To be honest with you, he, the way that he's playing right now is the best that he's played as the Blackhawk. So, do you think that he gets a good offer? I think that they should pull the trigger on it. If they, if, I mean, if if the Blackhawks get a good offer for Calvin Dehan, um, I, 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 I've got a love hate relationship with the guy because of the way that he's played prior. And he's he's usually he's usually hurt, and this year, man, he's been he's been playing uh, very very differently. He's got a four point five million uh, cap hit, so that coming off the books would be nice to free up some uh, to free up some space. If you add Dylan Strom to that, you know that's a 
that's $8 million right there of cap, of cap space. So actually, if you really think about it, Matt, if we were to drop, uh, if we were to drop Dehan and Dylan Strom, we could go for a, possibly a, a top, you know, maybe a, Free a, agent a, next a, year. a yeah. first line center or maybe another top D, uh, D man. Yeah, we could, or we could save that money and give it to Debrinkat and just, you know, almost cancels out. I, what's he at now? Six million. So yeah, I think he's at six point five. And to be honest with you, yeah. if we if we get the if we get the Taves and King contracts down to three million, we will actually be saving three million by giving you know that that difference in money to yeah. Debrinkat. We would be we would still be getting three million back. So in 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 a way. We would have eight million of cap space from from uh, Dehan and 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 Dylan Strom and Flower too. When and he's from gone. the money, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we would have would have a lot of cap space left, man, yeah. to make to make a couple moves. To be that's, honest with you, it's a great thing for a young team that's rebuilding, right. having cap space. Yep. Right. So would you move? Would you move Dehan? Yes, I would. And the team that should target him is the team that I watched last night with the boys from the FHN, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs. They need mm-hmm. a defenseman like DeHaan. But the only issue with them is, as we all know, the salary cap. Right. I don't know if the Hawks would, you know, eat some of the hit or maybe maybe the Leafs would throw us a pick f- for, you know, helping them out. But this is a team that needs a guy like DeHaan. They need, they got two young defensemen that were just getting rolled by the Rangers yesterday. I mean, they were just going right through them. And I think DeHaan, you know, he's not flashy. He's not going to get points, but he, he's been solid. He's solid in his own end, and this he's a veteran. And this is what a team like Toronto, I think, should go after. You know, there's also a case that can be made that Edmonton can make a run for DeHaan because they need help on the back end as well. Yeah, I, I've heard about four teams that are interested. I, I even heard that his former team was interested in him too, the uh, Hurricanes. But mm. I honestly wouldn't mess with that that team right now, the way that they're playing. There's no reason to ruin any chemistry. He'd slow him down. Yeah. So probably the biggest trade piece that we have is Marc-Andre Fleury. Colorado and Edmonton are teams to watch. Uh, Edmonton's goalie situation is dire, and Colorado could use someone with this experience. Since Derek, I'm sorry, since Derek King took over, it has helped the defense and helped Flurry tremendously. I don't think Flurry is the answer to that. A lot of teams are looking for, but I think that he could make a very big difference for these teams. So, say for instance, Colorado situation. I think that keeping Landeskog and letting Grubauer walk was a very big mistake because they haven't won with Landis Gog in the seven to eight years that he's already been with the team, okay? Grubauer, and goalies are a premium in the NHL. You have a really good goalie. You know, it makes a really big difference. And they also had another player that was that is ready to be the captain of, the, of that team, and that's Nathan McKinnon. So I think that they made a really big mistake with him. I don't think that Fleury will make th- a big difference for Colorado, but I think that he can help them uh, probably get out of the first round. Edmonton, on the other hand, I don't think that even with Fleury's talent, he won't be able to stand on his head the way that Edmonton needs him to. Do you think that Edmonton, I mean, because they're not just a goalie away from being a contender, they need a goalie and they need. They need an upgrade at defense. 
and two lines. Yeah. Bottom six lines. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I think Flurry, it's gonna almost seem like you know, he's like he's playing here if he goes to Edmonton. Obviously they got McDavid and Dreisaitl putting up amazing numbers, but like look at what they're doing now. They're struggling big time because yeah. they're not some some games they're not gonna score. Right. And it's teams are catching on to it. So that's asking a lot for your bottom six that's not experienced, not that great. And then Flurry's getting older. That's that's a lot. It's almost like he would be playing here. He, like, that's what he's going to have to do. He's going to have to steal a lot of games. Um, Colorado, I disagree with you. I think that on that team with the skill up front, the pretty solid defense they have, I think it's almost like he's playing in Vegas again. And I think he can make a deep run with that team. And even though I'm picking St. Louis to come out of the Central, if Flurry did go to Colorado, it'd be very interesting. I don't. I'd have to reevaluate my uh, my prediction on that one. Then, you know, I'm I'm actually gonna what I said about Edmonton. I'm gonna I'm gonna take it back, man. Here we go. There's no reason why Flurry would want to go to Edmonton. He because let, let's be realistic. You know, he would more than likely. You know, they're gonna ask him, "Would you be willing to go to Edmonton?" And in his situation, you know, with his family and everything, he's not going to want to go there because he knows 100% he can't make a cup. If they asked him, can we trade you to Colorado? That would be a very different situation because I, I think so too. Because yeah. they're a solid team and they have a chance to, to go deep more than Edmonton does. If Colorado were to face Edmonton right now, they'd roll him over. If, if the Blues, oh, sure. if the Blaze, Blues played Edmonton, they'd, they'd, they'd roll him over. So I think that even though that Edmonton has interest, I think that it's safe to say that Edmonton is is not in the running for him. I, that's why I don't think he's there yet. I mean, right. they're in panic mode right now. Yeah, they, they need a guy like Flurry now. Right. They needed a guy like him like like uh, a summer, month and a half ago. In the summer, we were all yeah. saying, why why would you pay Zach Hyman? Why would you trade for Duncan Keith? Well. Okay, he did he did fill in a hole at defense, but he still left the most important position vacant to a 39-year-old Mike Smith. And a 39-year-old Mike Smith is way different than a 37-year-old Marc-Andre Fleury. And I know yes. that's two years apart, but Marc-Andre Fleury, like I said, he's playing like a young guy in that he's, I mean, he's still flexible as all hell. I don't know, I know most Hawks fans that listen to us watch that Seattle game. He was making... Some unbelievable saves. I I haven't seen Mike Smith do that ever, you know. So, I mean, it's I think it's a little too late for Edmonton on this one. Uh, but hey, Colorado could they could make the move for Flurry, but maybe they're comfortable with Kemper. I I have Kemper yeah. on my fantasy team. He has not been good for me, and sure he's going to get wins, but in the playoffs, uh, I thought Grubauer, like you said last year. Grubauer was a difference maker for that team, and they let him walk. And um, I think that's going to come back and bite him. I really do. Some uh, some sad news, something I've been thinking about today. Pat Foley has 20 games left calling for the Chicago Blackhawks. And you know what, man? As far back as I can remember, I mean, I've been listening to Pat Foley for 30 years. That's all that I've known, you know. And what the Blackhawks have done to get a new person you know, in the booth calling games, man, I think has been, um, I think it's been terrible. 
No, it seems like they're giving a, a tryout to to a lot of people. And I'm, I'm not sold on Col- Colby Cohen. I, I don't think that. I think that, like you mentioned before, he's a good behind in between the, the yeah. glass type of like a guy. Pierre Maguire type yeah, guy. Yeah, Pierre Maguire yeah. type of a guy. I think that he fits in well there. I don't think that he fits well on TV uh, sitting there giving... Uh, you know, intermission analysis. And I don't think that he's a good, uh, you know, color guy. So, um, yeah, I agree with that. But the thing is with that, I think that is a position for a former Hawk, hmm. not, not a, a former Boston Bruin or whatever he was. I mean, he's sure. a very likable guy, but that's a position like for say like a, a Patrick Sharp or a Jeremy Roenick, Chelios type of guy, that guy that actually wore, the Hawk sweater. That's what I think the Hawks should do. And you already know who I like for Pat Foley's replacement. And I, I, it is sad. Pat Foley has been the only voice I've ever known except when they let him go in that short time span before Kane and Taves. I believe it was yeah. that Dan Kelly guy who was just, oof. It was bad. It, it was rough. But uh, thank God for John Weideman. I mean, he. Uh, I had the radio on a lot, and he made that made that time better. But it was the right move to bring Foley back. It was classy of the Hawks to do. I mean, ridiculous at first with uh, old man Bill. But Rocky did the right thing, got Pat back. And I know all good things have to come to an end. And uh, I wish Foley the best, though. But uh, for the last 20 games, I'm going to enjoy him as long as I can. You know, it, it, would, you would always make, it would almost make sense if they just promoted Wideman and, and Troy Murray. I mean, yeah, well, it, they, they're already, I mean, they, they knock it out of the park on radio, man. You know, I don't see yeah. why they don't see that, the value in that, and, and move them on to TV. Well, I, I think that Weideman, uh, maybe he prefers the radio. And, I'm uh, just speculating. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't never, I've never seen Weideman on TV and, uh, or heard, listened to him, but. I uh, during those late playoff games that we had years ago, I would have WGN app on my phone and I'd listen to Wideman and Troy. Troy Murray's a great guy; I love him. Those guys, you're right; they're they're great. They do a great job calling a game. So moving on, we're going to move on to some NHL news. Malcolm Subban is out for this season after having an upper body surgery. They didn't mention what what the surgery was; they just said upper body surgery. Uh, I hope the guy is okay. You know, former hockey you don't like you don't like to see guys going down. You know, yeah. Uh, Nick Foligno could return for the Bruins soon. He's got a lower body injury that he's been taking care of and should be back soon. I believe he was there was like a scrum. He was down on the ice and someone fell on his leg. Yeah, so that's uh, a shame. He, I, I really like that signing uh, yeah. this year. I, I thought he fits the mold of a Boston Bruin or 100%. somewhat of a Philadelphia Flyer, but. I hope he gets back because uh, I'm a I'm a fan of him. I thought he was really classy uh, in Columbus, and I know they traded him to Toronto f- just to you know make a Stanley Cup run. They, we all know what happened; they got bounced out early. Yeah, but I was kind of rooting for him to to get that championship, but it didn't happen. Mark Stone enters enters COVID protocol for the Knights. You know, it's like uh, ah, this guy can't catch a break. They can't, man. Yeah. He's having a rough season. You know, just trying to stay on the ice. It's a, it's incredible. You know, the Knights, you know, they have to do some voodoo with keeping uh, keeping a team out there, especially waiting um, on Jack Eichel. They said that he's possibly one to two months away still. And uh, the owner says he's coming back sooner. Right, right. <laughs> you know, so and we, mentioned that, we mentioned that yeah. on the last podcast that he mentioned yeah. that he was going to be back soon. 
and they mentioned recently that it could be one to two months. So, uh, do you think the GM was like his, the owner's Foley, right? He's probably calling Foley. Yeah. Can you just please shut up? Yeah, we want to we want to bring him back for the playoffs so the cap hit doesn't <laughs> count and we don't have to trade anybody. Right. Shut up, please. Yeah. But thank you for the paychecks. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> Talk about blowing it for the for the squad. You know. Yeah, sometimes it's just gotta zip it. So the Blues are going to have retired Chris Pronger's number. Pretty interesting. You know, Chris Pronger was a, I would probably say a mainstay in Anaheim, the the Blues, he because and the uh, and the Flyers. Man, you know, he could probably have his have his his numbers retired everywhere he went. Yeah, he had a good run in Edmonton too. I don't know if you remember yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, he did. He uh, made it to the final that year against the Hurricanes. Right, and uh, they had a a goalie get injured. I, I think it was Dwayne Rolison. He was on fire that year, mm. and uh, he got hurt in Game One, and that that was it for the Oilers. Jeez. So, what's your feelings on every team sending a player to the to the All Star Game? Uh, I don't. I I really don't care. I think it's good for the fan bases that you know they have one representative, but. I, I, as far as McKinnon going nuts about Kadri not making it, I think, to be honest, I think Kadri should have made it before McKinnon. McKinnon hasn't been scoring. I know right. he puts up good points and everything, but if he's going to complain and whine that everybody on his team didn't make the All-Star team, he's the one who should be sitting because yeah. I think that, like I said before, Kadri has been better than him. And obviously, Kale McCarr is, you know, he's he's a stud. He's going to be a good defenseman for many years. Uh, but, you know, you, you got guys kind of ripping on Debrinkat, like, oh, Debrinkat? I'm like, yeah, Debrinkat, look at his goals. He's top, I believe, six or seven now in goals, and he's only 24 years old. He's scored 40 goals before. He's definitely an all-star, but uh, I, I think Kaner got shafted. He's still, yeah. what, got 30 points in 30 games or whatever it is, 35, 35. I'm, I'm, I'm off a little bit, but it's not an all-star game without Kaner. Yeah, Dubrinkit, I think he's got like 54 goals in the past uh, 82 games or something like that. Yeah, he's right up there with Austin Matthews. Right. So, I mean, so, he, I mean he's definitely... He's, he's definitely a, deserving. Oh, yeah, he's definitely an all-star. Uh, Seth Jones, I think, is an all-star, but obviously uh, the way they're doing it with these divisions, I, I I don't like it. I just like the East versus the West. That yeah. was, That was always... The cool then the jerseys were cool back in the day. I don't. I used to have a Western Conference uh, All Star jersey, and uh, it, it was awesome. I, I like that way. I don't know why they have to change so much stuff like this. Maybe they should have like a three on three tournament during the skills competition type yeah. of thing, and then just have the All Star game. Bring it. Just go back. Stop changing everything. Yeah, I think that they're trying to make it more interesting, trying to get more interest into the game because. You know, there isn't really much going on in the game. No, you know, no, that's no why one these, really. These yeah, games are like, it. you know, 17 to 15. Well, I remember being a young kid, man. I would I would just watch the skills contest. I wanted to see who the fastest skater was. I wanted to see Brett Hall go four for four with the targets. And then obviously Al McGinnis crank a 104 mile an hour slap shot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So um, what are your thoughts on Leon Dreisaitl? And the Edmonton Oiler calling him pissy. Oh, the reporter. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I keep seeing the the tweet like 
saying that this is a Hall of Fame reporter. Yeah. Like, what? Who's in that Hall of Fame? Morons? Like, really? Like, you're asking? He he really asks stupid questions. I I've I've watched other videos with him. He he asked Koskinen, you know, the goalie who's not been playing well. Right. That he I I believe he said, "Hey, uh, Miko, were you were you were you disappointed in hearing rumors about getting another goalie?" Like, are you really going to ask the guy that? Wow. that? That's, like, insulting. Like, yeah, it is. Oh, what do you want me to say? No, I'm happy to have another goalie to have competition with? Like, it's just some of these questions, man. They have to just think before they they ask them. Like, and majority of the times they know the answers. Like, like, like what we did said with Ben Pope earlier, like, are you really going to say that to a pro? That's almost like a reporter calling a player soft. Yeah. That's like one of the like most insulting things you could say to a player, especially when you're, you, you, your job is to just write a news article about what's going on with these guys. And I, I thought Leon Dreisaitl was fine. I thought he, he handled it well, actually. He's like, yep, whatever. Okay, next question, and I'm not pissy. And I think Jacob Voracek, too, actually got new... Uh, an argument with a guy in Philly. I, th- oh, I think it was yeah, last he year. Did, he did. And yeah. he's like, are you kidding me right now? Like it, it, just the questions. And I don't know what these guys think. Like they're like gods or something. They like making the stories about he's themselves. Like, you're gonna write whatever you're going to write. You're going to write some yeah. bullshit on whatever you want to write. And uh, so it doesn't it, matter what I say. I think that's it, what Voracek said. Yeah. It's like Brooksy in New York. <laughs> And the only guy to call him out on his shit was Tortorella, and that's yeah. why I, I love Torts. Don't don't put up with that. And he, Torts would defend his players all the time, saying, "Hey, I saw that story that you you wrote about this guy. This guy had a great game, and you somehow had to insert in, uh, in being insultive to it. Like, well, what do you? Why he had a great game, and why are you, why are you doing stuff like? Oh, I thought it was funny. Well, okay, Brooksy, go to the bus stop and get beat up again. So." So there's an inconsistency with kicking motion goal calls that the NHL needs to solve this issue. What do you think needs to be done about like the, the kicking motion goal calls, Matt? So did you see the Austin Matthews kicking motion goal disallowed yesterday? No. So Matthews was in front of the net and he was standing still. And I, I don't know who fired the puck right to the front. But Matthews turned his heel, and the, if he did not do that, that puck was going straight into the boards mm-hmm. on the other side. So, yes, I, I think the NHL made the right call with that, but then you can see another clip. I don't have the clip in front of me, but it's almost the same type of goal, but I think the player was in motion. Matthews was standing still, but they called this goal. It was almost in the same spot. It's almost like the guy was crashing the net while stopping. The puck hit his skate while his heel was turned. But this was a good goal. So I think the NHL needs to address this and uh, explain why goals are goals and no goals are no goals. Because people are like, I mean, that I know the, the, the game was out of reach for the uh, Leafs, but they were down by two already. But, I mean, it, 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 they they were down one with about 45 seconds. Anything could happen, I guess. You never know. But sure. I think that they they need to do a better job addressing this and uh, explain the rules better because, I, I mean, I'm going to go back a little bit to the Hawks game, that Kershev, uh Remember that Kershev goal where yeah. he was skating and they the net got knocked off and he was 
To me, he was offsides. I'm not yeah. sure why that counted. They said because he was in motion and he had possession of the puck, which still doesn't make sense to me because in youth hockey, we don't have that, uh, you know, or even any hockey, you don't have replays to go back to. If your body is in, you know, if you're crossing the blue line before the puck, that's offside. So right. I think the, the NHL's got some uh, some work to do. Oh, but his back leg was was still on the blue line, you know. I, I thought he. I don't know, man. No, no, no. I'm just he, saying, like that, that's typically like what happens. It's just so fast, too. It's hard to call it real time. Yeah. But I think the NHL has to do a better job with, especially both of these subjects. The the kicking motions they're happening a lot lately. A lot of these goals are, and obviously, if you're you're facing the other way and the puck hits your skate and it goes in. Yeah, I mean, you, you, there's no kicking motion. You're not trying to score. You're just kind of in the way and hoping yeah. for a lucky bounce. But, I mean, if you're calling almost two of the same goals, no goal and goal, you have to, you, you, you got to explain it in the rules better because it, it's almost like they're just, you know, just saying, okay, any, meeny, miny, mo, it's a goal, you know, so <laughs> Toronto. So I'd, I'd like to see the NHL address this. So Bo Byram is stepping away from the game for personal issues. Has has there been any mention as to you know what's going on? Yes, I believe he's having some severe concussion issues. Oh and, man, uh, yeah. And I know that he, his father, I believe, talked to the media saying that he he says he's unable to play with this condition. It's just, it's almost he it's. It's bad, I guess. It's not not good for Bo. So I hope he gets better and takes the time he needs. Yeah, th- these are the type of things where, you know, the player's health comes up number one, you know, and uh, hopefully, you know, Sidney Crosby for practically, it was almost a season he was sitting in a dark room, you know, just waiting for his his concussion issues to, uh, to resolve. And I, I would like to say that I think that the Penguins were a model organization for how they approached Sidney Crosby's health and um, and how uh, and how they were able to get him back playing because ever since then you know he's been having he's he, I mean he had a lot of success after that and yeah. I think that it's good that teams can let a guy just walk away because maybe you know you, maybe you don't need to go to the rink you know maybe you just need to do your you know do your you know your your medical mandated, you know, uh, therapy, you know, sit in a dark room or, or whatever that they have to do for, you know, for concussions. But I hope that, uh, I hope that the guy's all right. Yeah. He's young too. He should, you know, be really cautious. Take what, take the, you know, take the time that you need. It's not like you're on the the last year of your career where you're, you know, going for a cup. He's young. He's got a long career ahead of him. He's, we know how he is. I, I wish, you know, now I wish the Hawks would have taken a chance with this guy over Doc. And I, I like Kirby Doc, but I think our needs on defense are greater right now. But I hope that he, you know, takes the time and gets better and hopefully comes back maybe maybe in the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. So we'll keep him in our thoughts, you know, and uh, hopefully that he's able to, uh, to come back to the game. And if not, then, you know, then he doesn't, you know, he, there's other things for him to do. You know, you don't have to play, don't have to play hockey, you know, but it's just uh, unfortunate that you don't get to, you know, put your talent out there for everybody to see. So that's all that we got for everybody tonight. I'd like to thank everybody for listening. You know, me and Matt, we're on Twitter. We're talking to people. 
do us a favor, send us a message. If you want us to talk about anything that uh, want us to cover something more or you want to hear something more, send us a message. Or, you know, maybe if you don't like what you're hearing, maybe you could just, you know, send us a message and tell us to fuck off or something, you know, because that's yeah, cool too. Like, like Piercy. <laughs> yeah, come and chirp us, you know, that's uh, that's always a lot of fun. So do us a favor if you haven't, hit subscribe in the um uh, in, in your podcast app and we'll see you guys on the next podcast this is the tomahawk and we're out of here